Welcome to episode 163 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamia. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Oh, Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) Tina Tina comes over here on a beautiful Saturday morning and I'm like, here's all my shit. I'll lay it before you. I lay my shit before you. You can lay your shit before me. All day, every day, a hundred percent, anytime. You know that I'm always here. Don't make me cry again. Okay, well, I love you. I just want to tell you that. Oh, I love you oh, too. I'm going to tell you something that might make you happy. Okay. I got someone's birthday present. Come <gasps> on the way. Oh. <laughs> no, don't cry. It's supposed to make you happy. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I hope. I'm like, you know, I'm always like nervous. I'm always like, is she going to like it? Girl. And he likes it. <laughs> I thank you. I'm I'm going to love it. Okay. Please. You get the I best think gifts. I think you'll be kind of like, oh, no. I think you'll be like, what? <laughs> I hope. You're I hope. a great gift giver. <laughs> Speaking of gifts. We've got a huge we box here box. between us. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Hopefully our good friend Annette did not send us a severed head. Yes, no. No. Unless it's well, dang it, I was gonna say a politician's name, <laughs> no. but I don't want to get no. arrested. No. Okay, people. No. <laughs> so that's a, just another pr- problem I need on my long list yeah. of problems. <laughs> but it says perishable. Oh, Yummy. Annette, you sweet baby doll. Is this to come to Florida? Like, is Ooh. this your juju to get us to come, get you to come to Florida? I hope so. Well, Well, she did post a comment about maybe making her way down here. Ooh, (gasps) candy. Oh, my God. Dark chocolate malt balls. Uh, Malt balls are are my favorite things in the world. No, we're going to share. Look how many. We're going to split this shit up, girl. (laughs) Tina and I are going to fucking wrestle over food. Oh, here. Oh, shit. Open a card. (laughs) Card first. Have some manners, Hillary. Oh. Oh, gosh. I don't have my dang glass. Okay. Oh, shit. You want me to do it? It's a magic potion that makes everything you say interesting, and it's a mama with wine. Oh, and a baby. <laughs> <gasps> Happy Valentine's Day! Oh. These are some of my favorite chocolates from a local shop. Keep fighting the good fight. Stay blue in blue. Oh my God, Lynette, <gasps> you're this so is, sweet. I got little goosebumps. This is the sweetest thing. Oh my God. I have no idea how much this uh, has made my day. This Thank is you. So sweet. I'm gonna put this here. Yes. Let's put that there. I don't know if the camera can see it, but it's there. I love it. Girl got a favorite local chocolate <gasps> shop. This is my kind of girl. Oh. Ooh, look at these little babies. <gasps> little kids. They're so cute. I am so excited. Okay. So gonna, I got to hide all this because my kids will eat it. It's more just, dark chocolate. Oh. Dark chocolate is my favorite. Me too. I, and you know, and that was a later in life that. thing. For me, dark oh, chocolate. Me too. Well, I mean, I always like like the special dark chocolate, like the Hershey's oh, yeah, special yeah, yeah, dark. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it would only be at like Halloween or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It was like a rare thing that I would have that. Mm. And then I went through this, fa- like a couple, I think I said this before on the podcast, about a few years ago where I went and I started with like 50% dark. Oh, yeah, I moved yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. And so I love, 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 love yeah, dark little chocolate. chocolate truffles. And I just had a cavity filled, so I'm ready. <laughs> oh, I'm taking my kids <laughs> to the dentist after this. Uh-oh, this bag opened, but it's more... Dark chocolate, but like these pretty heart foil <gasps> leaves. That bag opened, but that's okay. We'll just, we'll leave that in there. This is the sweetest thing. There's so much. Look <gasps> at this. This Sparkly is so- Prosecco cordial. <gasps> <laughs> There's two of them. <laughs> this Tina, is beyond exciting. You're the best fucking fans. Oh my well, God. fan, Annette. <laughs> 
Annette, you have no idea. Oh my god, this is so <gasps> Beyonce. These are so good, especially the strawberry. The owner's wife made them like I make up palette. Then then like I make a palette. What? Make oh like a makeup palette. <gasps> oh, let's see what this looks like. This is so exciting. Oh, look, Support they're so local. pretty. They like <gasps> paint them. Look Annette. At that. Annette. Girl, this is too fucking this is much. So nice. You have no idea how oh we're God. awful people. We do not deserve this. We're terrible no. people, aren't this we? This is no. You're amazing. Oh, oh awful. No, amazing. Annette, Annette, you Annette. son of a bitch! <laughs> you did it again! You did it again! I literally Oops, was lighting. You did it again. <laughs> da, da. Sorry. <laughs> always a song. I'm sorry. There's always I'm sorry. a song. I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. remember, she got us those amazing candles from Malicious. Yes, women yes. candles or whatever I still have the, me too I they smell them. so great and then i follow them on um instagram yes they are funny they are funny, funny and they're oh i love it i love because they such a great company yeah women run women, by women. women 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 oh my god such women a great company for everything please that's what i'm here for all right well we have a well, we gotta be <sighs> yeah a we got quick today we got things to do yeah that's the only thing i had on my list was open it open the present from annette like i don't have anything else to say i have just i have a a couple things okay um and and i know that this is a a florida problem and 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 i i've been thinking about like i want to write an open letter i want to write an open letter and beg like uh, people who have large platforms Mm. to um sound the alarm on ron DeSantis. I, I, you know what I mean? Like we need, you know, I don't care if it's a rock star, an actor, someone like, you know, and I hate to say like, I have to go Hollywood, but like we need someone with a big platform to sound the alarm on DeSantis. Cause I don't think the rest of the country really understands right what is happening in this state and the book burning, book burning. I mean, book banning uh, it might, as, may well. as well be Bitch, burning mine as well is, is continuing um, throughout the state. Um, the, the, the threat of removing AP courses Ooh. statewide. What is that? Why? What the fuck? Because it's either, it's either too woke or, you know, because. But this because is somebody Cap- who was in higher at this month. Right. Did he go, am I crazy or did he go, where did he go to school? He went to, I was believe he? he was a private school kid. He taught at a very elite no, 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 private but, school. But he, he went, went to Harvard yeah, or Yale. He was I'm going to look it up because this is somebody no, who's he, not he was anti-education. Like he has higher education. This is right. what's so bizarre to me. Well, is that this is somebody who on his own made his way right. through the education system on a high level. Well, this is his thing though. Like it's like uh you know, you say that the saying is what's good for the goose is good for the gander, but but just like uh DeSantis didn't want weapons at his rally, right? It's 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 good for all of you, but it's not good for me, right? He and went to thing, he went to Yale for his Yale. bachelor's and Harvard for his uh Juris Doctor degree. Yeah. Yeah. His his law degree. Yeah. Let's so, see where his wife went to school. Did she uh, go to school somewhere? Oh, God. And that woman, did you see? I'm going to pull this up. She, yeah, she got her Bachelor of Science in Economics from Charles of Co- College of Charleston. So, she, so they're not against higher education. Like, I don't understand this. So, so it's okay for them. They're, they're against woke ideology. And I think it's about the college board, like, potentially <laughs> but is pushing that a thing? back. Is a woke ideology no, a thing? No. Like, Sarah Silverman, please. She just hosted The Daily Show for the last week. And she did a fucking whole thing about being woke. Because yeah. some Newsmax douche from the fucking audience in the White House like the press room was like he went through a whole thing about woke and he's like so the guess the question is is president biden woke and the fucking press secretary oh was like God. for fuck's sake we don't have and time for this like it's it's the stupidest 
basic it's it's so racist yeah but your twin sarah silverman said uh being woke is about learning about right. what, how what makes other people feel uncomfortable but and then trying they, to understand right. it and like but, adjust your behavior be, uh, you know if you can so I love, if you're willing i love that you just said that because i've been reading um um the stop woke act and because just because of the book banning i've been going through the law because I'm, I'm really trying to understand and i'm trying to find language that can help books not be banned you mm -hmm. know but but one of the things in there is is about not making people uncomfortable which it's i don't understand i don't understand but the now the move is also to get rid of the sat i don't know if you saw that headline and move towards a test that is more focused on western civilization now, yeah, one of DeSantis' wanna, friends wrote that. Did well, one of his companies that he's friends with right. he donated to him? Did they write they're going to be the new people testing? Right. But the thing with that whole Western civilization, like I, just to give everyone a clue, Western civilization in the world of Florida, that's that's proud boy language. Mm. White civilization is is about white supremacy. That's what it's about. They're disguising it, trying to say Western Civ. But what they mean is white people. Mm. That's what they mean. This is language like this is what the proud boys talk about. And now this is what they want to implement in education. And then there are certain colleges that are like AP college. Like that's what they're known for. And you're going to strip Florida schools. And therefore they're not competitive to certain schools like the very schools, as Hillary said, that you, that he fucking went to. It's so disgusting. And then this Miss DeSantis, and you probably saw this, but a, a friend of ours, um, uh, Melissa posted this of, of Casey uh, DeSantis inviting this guy from uh, Boise State uh, University who is from the Claremont Institute. His name is Scott Yenner. And here's some things he said about women. Did you see this? No. Oh, I, I have to say it. Oh, God, um, my women, fucking head. Yeah, I'm sorry. He said that women who have careers are, quote, metals, uh, medicated, meddlesome, and quarrelsome. And then he also said that society should stop thinking of a girl as, quote, a future worker or a future achiever and start thinking of them as future wives and mothers. If we want a great nation, we should prepare young women to become mothers, not finding every reason for young women to delay motherhood until they are established in a career or sufficiently independent. This is a, like, a, this is someone who is around today that the governor's wife invited to our state. How are... Mothers across the state, women across the state, not outraged by this. This is like Nazi Germany. If we're going to get all these women impregnated so we can keep the Nazi line going. That's what this is. You know, you know, it's so funny to me doing this podcast because I did a story. I, I did my story for next week and it's about this ripe cunt. I mean, this fucking woman. <laughs> and I, I even put in my notes at the top. I can't believe I haven't covered this cunt yet. And I, I just spilled, spilled it for next week. But it's this, what she was doing is the same shit they're doing today. And it was 50 years ago or 70 years, something crazy, like 60 years. Ah, can't be that long ago, yeah. 40 years ago. And it's just shocking to like, even to hear a man say something like that. That's not an old thought that's been happening since right. cave time, caveman time. You know but, what I mean? But, oh, she wants to go out and hunt for herself. She wants to go pick her own berries. Fuck you, bitch. Get back in the cave. Like, yeah. this is what it's always been like. And so here's what I want to do. And what to protect like my mental health and like my well-being is I think that that kind of shenanigans is not what's going to get us to win. Like, no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up yeah. because we need to know what Casey DeSantis is about, which is being a mother. 
and being a wife. Right. Well, and, and she being, prefaced I'm sorry, it. And a cancer survivor. Yeah. <laughs> and she prefaced it. She prefaced it that Florida needs to be protected from woke ideology. And that's why he was inv- right. invited. Because to now state. woke ideology is a woman going to fucking work. Yeah. Which, by the way, we have to do because we can't afford to fucking live here. Yeah. So what do you want us to do? Should we all marry a Ron DeSantis and cower to his fucking Ugh. bullshit bully Ugh. ideas and get back in the fucking kitchen? Because the man's going to take care of us. I don't fucking see a man here taking care of shit. But guess what? Men haven't done the best of jobs. How about that? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about leaving things up. Long enough. Yeah. You're talking about leaving things up to dudes. All right, bitch. All right. So I want to play you something else. Okay. Just real Now that you brought this, you brought that up and remind me something. Okay. That old bitty motherfucker. Oh, Diane Feinstein oh, no, or Steen, whatever. No, no. She finally announced that she's not going to run again. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and by the way, laugh. and by the way, not only is by the way, laugh. not only is Katie Porter uh, running for that seat. Remember, we um, talked about that. Oh, she's a this, house rep. Now this from, is going to be fifteen people long. Yeah. So, so, now, so she's now a house gonna, rep. Now we're going to destroy yeah. things. She's a house rep in, in California. She's capable. She can do it. <sighs> Uh, it's been rumored. I don't know if he's announced it yet, but Adam Schiff. Yeah, who's I a, heard a that. Rep, yep. It's also going to run for it. That's yeah. two fucking Democrats that we lose that we would if or, or maybe they hold on to their seat until the election. I don't know. I don't know what they would do. Like California law. I don't know. But it's a statewide race for senator. So here's a fucking little video. This is insanity. <laughs> this these young kids from California where Diane Feinstein's a senator go to her office to talk to her about climate change. And they're there with like a teacher and they're at, they're saying like, we want you to do something about climate change. Right. And she starts to talk over the children. So then the teacher steps in and says something. And then she comes back. Diane does. This is fucking nuts. Are you ready? But she's senile, right? I mean, Oh no, she's a, she's a nasty bitch. Now we have a local rep here who we've seen get nasty at meetings when someone tries to push back on her. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? I know exactly who she you're says, Somebody about. says something to her and she's like a fucking pit bull. Yeah. That's what we see here with this one. Mm. It's to children My about God. climate change. What? It, it's, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me play this. Dude. Uh, that said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do Senator, if is this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these yes, consequences. The government and is supposed to be for the people and by the people and all You know for what's the interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here. And you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. <laughs> so, wow. I'm, I... Wait, this what is the Demo- fuck? And this is a Democrat. <laughs> Bro, you know what? T- by the way, they're like 11 years. They're ego. like sixth grade, but 11 years old. look at that old. ego. Yeah. Don't that come in ego. here. I, I just got reelected by Nobody a million cares. plurality. Nobody cares. Th- but you know what it says to me? 
she jerks off to those numbers. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, look how many a people. million people. Yeah. Nobody gives nobody out of cares. how many people are in California. Let's look yeah. up the population of California real yeah. quick so we can see how many people actually voted for yeah. 39 million people. And this bitch got 1 million votes out of 39 million people. So yeah. that's who you're speaking for, those million people. Those kids aren't allowed to vote, but they're in fucking DC trying to get shit done. Because their future's on the fucking line. And what, I mean, but you're gonna there's dismiss a million them? other things that you could say of, oh, yeah. yes, I, I see the urgency. Yeah. I will do what I can to address hey. what we can within this yeah. time frame. And why so hostile? List the things that you've done. Yeah. List the things that you voted for. Oh, can't, can't Put a bill together. You up. represent a state that is, the, what, the entire coastline is on the water. You've got earthquakes, fires. fire, <laughs> drought in, in your state. And you're over here jerking off to a million people voted for you? Who gives a fuck? Get the hell Fucking out. Fucking cares. 90-year-old bitch. Woo! You know what she says? You know what it is. Those kids walked in and she they, she saw their skin and she was like, <laughs> oh, these fucking kids. They don't even know how good they have it. Uh, well, they're not. No, they don't have it good, clearly from what the message that they're saying to you, I lady. mean, you know how proud I would be if those were one of my kids oh that my went into God. that want to travel to D.C. with their class and said, went there with a message. You hear the kid in the background? The government's supposed yeah. to be for the people, by the people. Yes. And she's, that was her thing to go, oh, well, a million people voted for me. Well, and then, and, oh, <laughs> the comments on that video were so great. One of them was, which was, oh, it was that Olivia... Oh, I can't remember her last name. The act, the abortion activist from Texas. She said, this is the villain origin story for one of these kids. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. is the origin story where she's the villain. Right. And they're going to come back and fight like a motherfucker. This yeah. is like the Greta Thunberg or whatever. Right. It's it's like, the moment. This is this her is moment catalyst. where she yeah. was like, this, you're the villain in the story. Oh, God. I know. All right. Am I first? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Now, I found this story, and as I was doing this story, there's 20 stories in it. And I was like looking at these other stories that I thought maybe I should do another one and not this one. But you know what? It's all right. We'll, yeah. listen. we'll do it. I'm doing the, the Snow Riot of 1835. Oh. So the Snow Riot was a riot and lynch mob in Washington, D.C., which began on August 11th, 1835. And the city of Washington, D.C. was uh, facing unprecedented tension between abolitionists and slavery defenders in the wake of Nate Turner's uh, slave rebellion of 1831 and the revolt in Jamaica that at the end of the year, which uh, despite being defeated, resulted in the final abolition of slavery in British colonies in 1833. Nice. So the Nate Turner slave rebellion could be its own story. Right. It happened in 1831 and historically known as the Southampton Insurrection was was a rebellion of enslaved Virginians that took place in Southampton uh, County, Virginia in August of 1831, led by Nat Turner. The rebellions killed between 55 and 65 white people, making it the deadliest slave revolt in U.S. history. The rebellion was effectively suppressed within a few days at the Belmont Man Plantation, because I remember they were coming down, right. this, you know, going to plantation by plantation, I mean, killing white people and, and well, freeing slaves. Yeah, I mean, when you, you know, hold people captive. Yeah. So that uprising had spread panic and fear across the slave states and in uh, dis the District of Columbia. Uh, abolitionists were flooding Congress with petitions to end slavery in the nation's capital, so many that the House adopted a series of gag rules to automatically table them because so many people were like, it's enough already. So... The event that sparked the Snow Riot in 1835, basically what was happening in the city is this abolitionist thing was happening. People are on the streets handing out literature about... Uh, um, you know, ab abolishing slavery. And the whites 
were also going through a lot as far as work. Like they were trying to fight for their rights as workers. And if they would strike, people would, they bring in black workers and pay black workers instead. This made the white men even more fucking pissed. Plus, like what I talked about with my Rosewood story in which we always know from history is if anything is done to a white woman by a black man, it, white men go fucking insane right? Like they fucking flip the fuck out. So that starts to happen too. It's all of these things that are brewing that kind of lead to this riot. So the event that sparked the snow riot in 1835 was when an inebriated slave, Arthur Bowen, came into his mistress, Anna Thornton's bedroom with an ax. So this guy, Arthur Bowen, this, he was a black, a black man. His mother was a slave of Anna Thornton, but he lived okay. at the house. Okay. And Anna and the, his, this slave's mother were close I mean, okay. I'm not going to say I they're mean, besties, but right, you know what I'm saying? Right. And um, so he was drunk, but he had been in the square talking about abol- abolishing slavery, like handing out pamphlets. Like he was known for being someone who was just like about getting rid of slavery. So Good. he gets drunk. He walks back to the house. He picks up this ax and he goes into the bedroom and he had no intentions of doing anything. I think he just stood there and then he walked out of the room, but it freaked her the fuck out. Of she course. freaked out, right? Yeah, what? So- I, the mother tried to, should. his mother tried to calm her down, but, uh, she starts screaming. She calls the police or I don't know, whatever. And they come and they arrest him. Right. So, but the fact that this word gets out that this slave like had just the opportunity to even hit her with the ax or was like standing in the room with the ax freaked these fucking dudes out. And that's the start of like how this all really starts happening. So he was taken into custody without harm. And then they gave him a, they get, this gave pro-slavery advocates an opportunity to go after the man they believed was leading the distribution of abolitionist material in Washington. And his name was Reuben uh, Crandall. And so they start going after this guy because they're just looking for reasons to, to, to attack right, people, right. right? And now here's this slave who was going to attack a white woman. They're like, see, your ideas aren't fucking good. So they go after this guy, Reuben Crandall. And the district attorney at the time was Francis Scott Key. So this whole oh. thing, this this trial of Reuben Crandall is a whole muck episode on its own. But Francis Scott Key like tries to throw the book at this guy. And it turns out it was like um, a mis- misidentification. Like this wasn't even the guy handing shit out. And they arrested him and put him on trial. And <gasps> Francis Scott Key it, like ruins his career as an attorney, this case. Wow. Yeah. So it's just like a whole bunch of incidents happening at the same time. And then that summer, the nation experienced the first labor strike by federal employees and the 1835 Washington Navy Navy Yard labor strike, which began on July 29th, 1835, when Commodore Isaac Hull issued an order in response to thefts limiting workers' lunch privileges. So the Navy Yard strikers (sighs) wanted a 10-hour day. Could you imagine? Wow. <laughs> and for uh, Hull to retract his order of like, can't have lunch, right? Oh my God. So the like, labor strike. What is wrong with human beings? <laughs> the labor strike immediately exposed longstanding racial discord in the yard. In a letter to the Secretary of the Navy, um, Malin Dickerson, Commodore Hull stated that 100, 175 white mechanics and workers had joined the strike. Many scholars have said that, quote, a direct linkage between the Washington Navy Yard strike and the riot, both national and local events in 1835 combined to bring workers to strike, but longstanding racial fears and anxieties moved the yard's white workers to take the lead in the snow, snow riot. Okay. In an undated diary entry from, from August 1835, African-American diarist Michael Shiner confirmed intimidation by white workers and their demand that black caulkers stop working. He said, quote, um, Commodore Hall issued and every one of them struck and said they wouldn't work his language his English is a little 
but they put it just the way he wrote it, said they wouldn't work anymore. And at the same time, they were were colored men from Baltimore by the name of Israel Jones, a cocker by trade. And he was the foreman cocker of those colored cockers. And they were 15 or 20 of them here. And at that time, caulking on the Columbia and the carpenters made all them knockoffs too. So what he's saying is they brought in black workers to, to take these jobs and white people, like these white men were freaking kept, the kept, fuck kept out off, yeah. and thinking that they should strike too. But why would they strike when you're not even? Right. Okay. <laughs> so the strike had quickly morphed into a race riot. And as striking Washington Navy Yard, <gasps> ma- white mechanics and laborers took out their resentment on the black population. And this resulted in a huge mob of whites in the Capitol attacking all establish- establishments run by free blacks. So schools, oh churches, businesses. I don't under, it's, yeah. So, uh, quote, white mechanics and carpenters on strike at the Navy Yard caught wind of a vicious rumor that further inflamed their anger and resentment. They heard a free black restaurateur named Beverly Snow had something disrespect had said something disrespectful about their wives and daughters, end quote, which is a lie. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And this guy, Beverly Snow, is incredible. I'll tell you a little bit more but about him. Yeah, but that's like where they're they're that that like the story that you told before like anything that's like a, an attack yeah. on a white woman or and like that's it's always rumor yeah and it's not none of it's true yeah and- but they but they believe in the evil of these folks you know if they're black then therefore they're bad and so anything you say about them they're gonna believe it right the first destination the mob attacked was snow's uh, Epicurean Eating House was the name of his restaurant and it was known for serving sophisticated and luxurious food like this guy was legit business dude dude yeah Yeah. it was ransacked by the mob who were in search of snow because of his status as a free black owner he was a free a free man however the mob was unable to locate him locate him um after breaking up his restaurant the mechanics drank all of snow's (gasps) stock of whiskey and champagne mobs of whites continued to attack all establishments run by free blacks so after days of disorder and riot, President Andrew Jackson ordered a company of U.S. Marines to restore order. Now, of course, it took Andrew Jackson days because this racist motherfucker, yeah. this motherfucker, I cannot believe we haven't covered Andrew Jackson on this it, podcast. It's, just so it's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much shit. Oh, the worst. So after mediation, the Navy Yard labor strike ended on August 15th, 1835. While the striking mechanics were allowed to return to work, they gained little from the strike. The subsequent riot left as part of its legacy, a deep and abiding racial mistrust, which would of course linger for today, till today. The city's black community though, were the chief sufferers. They received no compensation for the destruction of their houses and churches. Blacks not only received no sympathy or aid, but the district council quickly passed a quote, new ordinance aimed at them, uh, not their attackers, where they were forbidden to assemble after sundown. Wow. So you can't defend yourself. No. Nope. You can't gather to talk about, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. That's nice. For the next century, the history of the strike and snow race remained an embarrassment to be glossed over and disassociated with from the District of Columbia and Washington Navy Yard's official histories. So I want to talk a little bit about Beverly Snow because, you know, at the time, there weren't free blacks that were able, black men that were able to, or women, uh, that were able to go and do these things on their own. And the way that I found this story is that there is um, Oni Judge. I don't know if you've heard of it. But she was uh, one of Washington, George Washington's slaves who escaped. Okay. Her story is incredible. I'll, I have her on my list to cover, but I found this from that. But, you know, once they can, es- he didn't escape. He was like set free. But once they get out, they either have to, they have to spend for themselves. And this man was able to do it in a way that was, he was successful and it still was taken from him. It's just yeah. so fucking hard for me to get through that. It's, it's 
And there's no reason for it. Right. You know? Right. And it's like story after story. It's it's white men that are the violent, vicious, retaliatory savages. group of people. The savages. Like you know they what said, I yeah. mean? And it's like we we and 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 still this continued thing of like we can't learn about that and we're not learning about it to make current white people feel bad but we we have to understand where we are today mm. and how everything is connected and and i think it's it's like it's when we say it all the time but it's important to be uncomfortable it's important to have absolutely conversations like it doesn't hurt anyone to have a conversation and i know this man lost everything but i also think about like what an incredible person this is i was so impressed by it's hard to open a business today. It's hard to open a restaurant in 2023. Yeah, well, and be like a fancy sh- chef. Yeah, kind of but you know, to like have he, a successful restaurant yeah. as a free black man in 1835 yeah. in DC sounds like it's an impossible feat. And this man fucking did it. And yeah. I, th- I'm incredibly impressed by that. Now, of course, he wasn't allowed to keep it because, you know, the world's fucking shit. But still, it's incredible. So Beverly Ra- Randolph Snow, he was born of mixed uh, parentage. So I, one of either his mother or his father was white. And, and then uh, black. So maybe his mother was a slave. That's a possibility. And he was born in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1799. He was born enslaved on the estate of Captain William Norval. And pri- by the provisions of Norval's last will, Snow was given to Norval's daughter, Savannah Norval Warwick, with the provision that Snow be manumitted at the age of 30. That means set free. So at the age of 30. So he has a, a lifetime of captivity. Yeah. Jesus. You know, and, and hopefully, usually those are binding. binding so she kind of has to stick with it. But I, that's the thing I found in that Washington story when I was reading about Oni Judge is that um, his, you know, Washington's wife was married before. Yeah. And his, her husband died. But in that, in the will, she in, gets the plantation, but she also gets like 85 of his slaves, of the husband's slaves, now become her property. Which then she marries George Washington and they imagine, become his property. Can you imagine like in a will that like- yeah. You know, oh, not, you get the table, you get this, and then this person, like, but not only that, gross. but not only it's that, gross. it also says like when you own a slave, this is what also it says that in, in this will, like you own a slave when, if, if it's a female slave and she gives birth, that baby is also your slave. Oh my God. I, I, that baby's also yours, belongs to you. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my and God. so a lot of the, so when Oni Judge's father was white, she was being raped by somebody who worked on the, her mother was being raped by somebody who worked on George Washington's plantation. And this mother, her mother had like four kids and they were all half black. Excuse me. She was being raped by, that was a horrible thing. And not an affair. Well, she was being well, raped by okay. were white. Yeah. Okay. And so all those babies though, belong to, it's how Oni judge belonged to George Washington and his wife because she was born to a slave that they owned. Ugh. And that bitch was like, I'm out. Good. Bye and fucking my escapes. God, my God, my God. And the years that George Washington was trying to get her back. Years. And and this is stuff we should have to know I mean, about our founding fathers. This like is, we yeah, need the, to know. I, I, there's so much things. to know. There's so much I read about this. It's incredible. We need to know these things. I'll, I'll cover it very soon. But there was things like, you know, in Philadelphia, we had our nation's capital. And it was like, they were trying to get rid of slavery. But if you were a legislator who worked in, 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 in um, Philadelphia, they had a rule that... If your slaves came with you from your, for, come from Virginia f- to come with you to work in, in the nation's capital as a legislator, if they're here for more than six months, they are free. They can't be here for more than six months. So they would- What, rotate them out? Rotate them out. Oh my God. F- you know, five, five and a half months, put them back. Let's get the other slaves in here so that they couldn't have to free them. And then there would be some that were like, it was impossible. We can't do this. So then they changed it. And, 
I hate people. I mean, it is wild. I can't wild. even imagine having a conversation about the ownership of another person. Yeah. But it's like their and property. It's like owning a tractor. Right. We, you yeah, know, it's not is, a human being to them. Yeah. No, no, I get it. I get it. it but it, it's incredible to me. It's incredible to me. All right. It's a way of thinking that's insane. Okay. So anyway, so he was set free and the family allowed Snow to operate a small oyster uh, house. Okay. Before he was set free uh, on Lynchburg, on Lynch Street in Lynchburg, where he was allowed to keep some of the profits. And during that time, Snow married a young free woman named Julia. And he was uh, manumitted in November, 1829. So they did set him free. And he and Julia left Virginia, which had harsh restrictions Thank on God. blacks and moved to the district of Columbia. Snow was different from most free black blacks as he had been educated, wealthy, and successful. Remember, he got to keep some yes. of that money. And so they said that the whites said he was snobbish. You know, he didn't bow his head and fucking cower as they walked by, maybe. I don't fucking know. Uh, he was one of a number of black entrepreneurs who owned businesses in the downtown area. His success was evidence of the strength of Washington's free black population. And in Washington, D.C., Snow operated or opened that popular restaurant, the Epicure Epicurean Eating House, located on the corner of 6th Street and Pennsylvania Avenue Southeast. This was the beginning. This is where the beginning of the Snow Riot happened. And his success made him the subject of, you know, white resentment and envy. Um, Again, this is white people's emotions. Yeah. And I have an advertisement. Their panties are in a bunch about it. Yeah. I have an advertisement in our notes that's from his restaurant, but it was a place emphasized on sophisticated and healthy food, cleverly advertised with the practical message of uh, health bought cheap. <laughs> I love this. So after and this riot. It, just, it makes me think too, again, like we talk about intergenerational wealth. Like mm. if this was a restaurant that could have yeah. remained. You walk around DC, there's and, still and, restaurants there from right. the 1800s that and, were opened in, in right. such a... And, you know what I mean? Like, or what could the city have been like if like things, if they would have just let people live? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a nightmare. It's a fucking nightmare. It's so he and his wife escape, right? They, the rioters coming, they're like, they, and they moved to Toronto, Canada and again, opened successful restaurants. His first venture was a coffee shop at the corner of Church and Colburn Street. He later opened the Epicurean Recess, then the Phoenix Saloon in 1848, followed by the Exchange Saloon in 1856. Yes. And then he died on October 21st, 1856. But oh. I mean, at least he was able to get the fuck yeah. out and have find get success a, somewhere else. I love this. Anyway, that's the Snow Riot. Oh my God. Of 1835. I, I just, we are just so like human beings for all our advancement. No, that's why they're, that's why we're, we're so because we're, because we're meat sacks, yeah, like we're, e I, we're easily manipulated. You know what I mean? Like they're, that's how they can <sighs> fuck with us all the time. It's it, and like, same thing, like this moms for Liberty. They, they, there's a book uh, that they banned in Broward. I'm sure that you saw it. Cause one of your school was listed as one of the schools it was taken from was this, let's talk about sex, like teenage, blah, blah, blah. And it oh, talks yeah. about sex in, in the book. And I was, and I retweeted it and I was like, the fact that you think that teenagers who have had access to the internet since birth are learning about sex in a book at the school library is hilarious. These motherfuckers have had access to porn 24 hours a day since they I came know. out of the womb. And you think that's where they're learning about sex? I mean, can you please, can you please stop it? Stop. Yeah. <sighs> My son said to me the other night, the other day we're in the car and he was like, he, there was 69 somewhere and he goes, 69? Yeah. And I was like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> I go, what do you think that what? is? And he literally did this to me. <laughs> with his fingers and i was like what do you what are those he goes legs i go all right uh -oh, we got too uh -oh. much shit there's more things happening in here that i fucking even realize what's but, going on i mean but think about it but think about it i remember being 
you know, 11 and 12 years old. Yes! My mom used to have her romance novels and yeah. I would flip right to the middle oh of the book God. and I would read everything I could read. Let me tell and you. And God, she had American Gigolo. I was like, oh, oh my let, me, God. let me read through that book. And we were reading, like my, I, I was saying this to my husband the other day. I said, my mom bought me Flowers in the Attic. Okay, yeah. like oh, that was on. the book that like everybody passed around. Yeah. And um, <laughs> did God, she know? Like, she didn't know that was in there. Yes, she bought me a whole damn series. She <laughs> oh bought me God. Stephen King books. She bought me, which is like rife of cursing oh, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. craziness, violence, sexual assault in some of them, like in it. Like I read all that stuff. Like by the time I was like 13 or 14, I had read almost like every Stephen King book I could get my hand on. Every like VC Andrews book I could get my hand on. Yeah, I was reading Anne Rice, which has like. But again, we didn't all have queer themes in it. Like, no, but you know what I mean. Like I. But also, we didn't have access to the internet. Like uh, the same thing you're talking yeah. about books. My friend Tammy down the street, her mom had the Joy of Sex. It was oh. up on the top of the f- shelf. Right. But we fucking pulled that down, yes. and I was just and like, you "Look at and it." And her dad had Playboys, which we found. Yeah. Which again is another access, but like that's the yeah. access we had. Right. We didn't have. We didn't have this where they could put in blowjob and they got right. five thousand, vi- yes. fifty thousand videos at their hand. But, like, give me a break. What I mean to say though is, we were all curious. Like, yes, kids, it's normal. It's just normal, and I think. The thing, at least like for me, that's different is like, I have conversations with my sons about this stuff, you know, like where, of course, you know, I didn't uh, have that as much, but we cannot shield children. And if you want to shield your child, by all means, shield your child. That is a decision you know, for you and your family, but you do not have the right then to uh, dictate what my children have access to just because you don't like it. You know, I hate to, I have to say Uh, this too, because there's so many levels of hypocrisy on all of this too. And, um, and that is that there's a, there's that documentary about that awful, um, Oh God, it's the LDS. I don't know what it, it's like the, the Mormon, Mormon, but it's the polygamy. Yeah. 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 I've seen his name. Jeffries. I don't remember what this guy's name is. I forget, but he was arrested and yeah, yeah, I watched the whole thing and his name is escaping me. Oh Yeah. It's called um, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. And yeah. it's about the fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, um, and Warren Jeffs. Yeah, His, his dad Jeffs. was the leader, and then his dad dies. Mm-hmm. Which, and then they which, have by the way, children. And he had like 30 wives, and he could, they couldn't believe that he died because he was supposed to live forever. Yeah. And, then, and then the son becomes <sighs> it, so then he gets all the wives, and then he starts gathering wives, and he's marrying 12-year-olds, yeah. right? Ugh. And the thing that was so disturbing to me, which is where I think they want, like, uh, my question is, is this where you want this to go? Is when you, when, so they were interviewing women who had escaped, and the night out of their wedding. Oh, God, yeah. They're in the, they go in the bedroom with their, you know, let's say they're yeah. 16 or 17, they go in the bedroom with their 80-year-old husband. Yeah, I remember and this. And yeah. he tells them to take their clothes off. Now, these are women who have completely been covered up their entire lives and right. told to keep yourself covered. Yes. And they're told to get they undressed. They don't even know what sex is or how it and works. he climbs on top of oh, them God, and oh. puts, you know, starts to have sex with them. And they're so fucking scared yeah. because they don't know anything that's happening they don't know how a baby is born they don't know how babies made they don't i mean you know it's born they don't know how babies made like they don't know what sex they don't is. know anything they don't know anything but you know what the, nothing right. and then all of a sudden this person who is hurting them right like this is insane insane yeah. the other thing that's wild to me is um if you look at states 
that have so like a lot of these book bans and no sex ed in school, they have the highest rates of, of teen pregnancy. Yes. They have the ST, highest STIs you know, uh, of, yeah, of, of, of STIs and poverty. And it's like, it's not working. Whatever it is you think you're doing, it's not working. I don't understand what's wrong with educating a kid and you could do it however the way it works for your religion i don't know but stop pawning your pretend fairy tale beliefs onto me all right i we gotta go on all right i gotta i gotta get coffee hey it's dalton and sam we want to tell you about our podcast called big 10 plus four are you a college football fan who doesn't want to always be talking about the sec are you a college basketball fan who's tired of hearing how the big 10 doesn't win in the big dance then we're the show for you. Check us out each week on the Odd Pods Media Network. We bring you college sports with a Big Ten flavor. Big Ten Plus Four. College sports with Midwest perspective. Blue collar and blue blood. All right, today <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story of Operation Wetback. And I want to oh apologize now God. for having to say the awful derogatory name. But this is what the United States government called it. What? So, um, I'm it better just, not been recent. Um, not, well, that like it, the, not that like, it should matter. But like so. it's the 50s, but it does sort of echo oh through my today. God. But um, so I'm going to just refer to it as the operation um, from please, this point please. out. So throughout the mid 20th century, the U.S. faced an immigration problem, not unlike today. But the solution resulted in one of the largest mass deportations in American history. Jesus. So our story takes place in the 1950s throughout the U.S. Um, primarily, we're talking like, you know, California, Arizona, mm. like yeah. more West. And um, I want to give a little um, a background uh, about the terminology. So the term wetback, which is, of course, derogatory. It's a slur. It came about because Mexicans had to go through the Rio Grande mm. to cross the border um, illegally. And that's where they got the language from. Or that's how they came up with the name, I guess, of this slur. But language is everything, right? And I feel like to refer to this operation with a pejorative word in the title, like it, it's already, we're already starting with dehumanization, like right off the bat, you know what I mean? And these, it's like, I, I don't, I, I just don't understand how you look at people and look at children and, and look at communities and not look at them as, as people. But so... Before we jump into the 1950s when this was occurring, I want to go back a decade okay. to 1942 when the uh, U.S., uh, with the support of Mexico, created what was called the Bracero Program, which according to Brent Funderburk's Britannica article, it was basically a labor program that allowed laborers or braceros to take on agricultural labor work in the U.S. as seasonal workers. Mm -hmm. So specifically like during World War II, Men were off fighting, so they needed people to come in and help, right. right? Yes. And also, at the same time, a lot of people were leaving agricultural labor to go work in factories instead. So there was this gap. And, you know, so the Mex Mexico and the U.S. sort of made this deal like, oh, we'll bring some workers over. They get the seasonal work, but then that money's probably coming back to Mexico. You know what I mean? Like, it was like this reciprocal kind of relationship. Right. So in the 1950s, a few things are happening. We have soldiers returning mm. after World War II. And there was a recession because this is post-war recession and they needed to work. So there's also these economic issues, ha issues happening in the South. Specifically, um, there was issues of low wages. And so people are kind of suffering at the time, according to immigration history. 
And just like today, I feel like anytime there is, you know, um, not a lot of jobs or, yeah. you know, they're taking, issues, they're stealing our right? jobs. You're stealing our jobs. You're stealing yeah. our jobs. So of course the low wages were blamed on illegal immigration. Mm. And so in 1951, President Truman had a commission on migratory labor and that report blamed illegal, illegal immigration directly. Mm. Quote, the magnitude has reached entirely new levels in the past seven years. In its newly achieved proportions, it is virtually an invasion. So this was Dang. the language that the government used, right? Oh my God. Okay. So again, like- I'm here for an alien invasion, by the way. Yeah, please take us all. <laughs> I mean, by the way, I don't think I didn't- Oh I, my God. I should have been bringing this up already, but all we've been shooting down aircraft, motherfuckers. Oh my God. But how about they shot down someone's hobby balloon the other day? Oh, it's good. Like, Bye. It's like, <laughs> it's so stupid. Idiots. 99 love. Well, that was a good thing. <laughs> okay, another fucking sorry, song. Sorry, too. sorry, sorry. It just <laughs> I was thinking about that, like have like a little video and it's like da na 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 and like them shooting it down. Whatever. They're coming. Right, I'm just so, saying that there's a lot of alien activity and there's I a mean lot. and I mean like space aliens yeah. and it's happening. So get fucking ready. We get ready. But you know what? We need help. SOS. SOS. Maybe they see what's happening with yeah, DeSantis and they're talk, coming to save us. You know what? Just have a conversation. Lay out your plans. Let me see what yes. I'm working with here. I Maybe might it's accept better. your invitation. Yes. To, to get to go. <laughs> oh God. So can uh, I, what's the homeowner's insurance cost there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Mars. Yes. Please take us. Fuck. <laughs> take me to your leader. Um, <laughs> no, that's what they say to us, but they don't want to come to, well, I mean, they've got sleepy No, bring Joe, him to the leader. DeSantis. Bring him Imagine. to Joe. Where's Joe? He's sleeping. It's Aww, Sleepy Joe. He's taking a nappy. Sleepy Joe. <laughs> sleepy, but Sleepy Joe's been doing a lot of good things, I have to say. Oh, God. I have to say he's done a lot of good things. Good. And I think we need to How about to this? That. Here's a good thing. Win re-election. Please. Okay. He's got to. Shit. All right. So, again, there's this idea that um, Mexicans or any immigrant, for that matter, is going to steal jobs, which is not really the case. And there was a lot of this anti-Mexican sentiment um, where people were falsely believing that Mexicans were dirty and disease carrying, right? It's just racism at the end of the day. We know this. So in 1953, the Eisenhower administration is now mm. in, and they pushed to have sanctions put on undocumented workers. All right, so let's get into the major incident. So the creation of the operation um, was by the Immigration and Naturalization Service, or INS, under the leadership of Director Joseph Swing. The operation's focus at first was California and Arizona, but then they expanded to include Texas as well as other states. So the operation essentially was a military operation mm. to remove Mexican immigrants from the U.S. But here's the thing. Some of those immigrants were U.S. citizens. Get out! Get yeah. out! Yeah. U.S. citizens. U.S. citizens. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I know. It's like, I was like... How did they... Did they, were they able to, come? oh my God, I'm out. So I'm at out. first, I can't believe it. like I said, the Mexican government was on board. Um, according to Aaron Blakeborn's article in history, Mexico at the time had a labor shortage. So having folks return to close that gap would help. But eventually the Mexican government was not happy with the manner in which the U.S. was uh, instituting like these deportment actions, right? So Blakemore goes on to explain that despite Mexicans having entered legally and becoming naturalized, Ooh. Ooh. the operation's intent was to send those folks back to Mexico 
And they did. So I want to note that there was a lot of people coming in at the time. Make America white again. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all this is ever about every single time. You don't look like you're from here, boy. You're not from around these parts. Get that boy. (laughs) Get him out of here. (laughs) So Funderburg's article noted that 886,000 people were caught at the border in 1953. Damn. So the plan in theory was to do two things. One, to stop illegal and undocumented workers from entering the U.S. from Mexico, and two, to discourage employers from hiring and hiding illegal and undocumented workers. Oh, God. So how did they identify these folks? Well, they'd ask for ID and birth certificates, but they would stop anyone who, quote, looked Mexican. And how did they send these folks back? So it's like, one, if you look a certain way, they're targeting you. And then a lot of people may not have, like, like, imagine, like, who's walking around with their birth certificate? Like, most people would, would put that away in a safe of place course. or, you know what I mean? So, so it's Stupid like when ICE fuckers. was like, you know, doing that, yes. like wanting people to have like certain papers on them. And I feel like most people are not walking around with important documents. Oh my God. So how did they send these folks back? So a Vox article by uh, Dara Lind on the operation noted that massive raids were happening that included trucks and airplanes And they even set up roadblocks. Mm. Lynn also explained that one raid that took place over four days resulted in 1,000 immigrants being apprehended. Wow. In another raid, kind of like what our Florida dictator did when he sent migrants to Martha's Vineyard, Mm. the INS under the Eisenhower administration dropped folks in the city of Mexicali, just left them there with absolutely nothing. And when I say nothing, like no food, no water, nothing, nothing. And these people knew no one. And according to Blake Moore's article, they wandered the streets in a daze because they didn't know where they were. They had no contacts with people. They had nothing. And what's important to know is that they were deliberately dropped off in the middle of Mexico. So they bring them as far in as they can so that it would be a harder chance for them to make it back over the border. So it's not like, oh, you're being returned to maybe a city that you came from or where family might be or whatever. It's like, no, we're just going to drop them in the middle of nowhere, throw their shit out and leave them there. It's insane. Um, I mean, like, like I said, no water. The Philadelphia Tribune spoke to uh, Professor Kelly Lytle Hernandez, who said the operation was, quote, lawless, arbitrary, and based on a lot of xenophobia and resulted in sizable, large-scale violations of people's rights, including the forced deportation of U.S. citizens. Oh, this, that, that to me. It's listen, scary. That's listen, scary. I'm all for it. Like, I'm, you know, do we need to get a handle on illegal of immigration? Course. Absolutely. But there are I have never seen ways. a plan. Yeah, I have yet to see a plan from a Democrat, Democrat or Republican that's actually going to fucking work. Right. Put it into fucking action. Every time there's election, oh, we're going to do illegal immigration. Yeah. Well, where's the what fucking we plan? Yeah, yeah, this is what you're going to do. Well, then do it because the process to become a legal citizen is far too expensive and takes far too long so you're asking people to wait around 10 15 20 years working in the united states with a green card or work authorization visa because we do this with my company and they're there renewing it every few years praying that you know hoping to god that this thing's gonna get renewed so they don't get sent back because they've established a life here legally and they're paying and they're paying taxes. thousands and thousands paying taxes. Hi. The amount of taxes that working immigrants pay here is incredible. 
you, with the loss of money if you get rid of all of these immigrants who are trying to become legal citizens. Right. Like and came here legally. And contribute. Yeah, I'm all for it. Make the process easier, make it smoother, and make it uh, less expensive. I mean, it costs yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars to become a legal citizen. That's outrageous. It it's is. It's fucking outrageous. Eider Peralta of NPR cites David Gutierrez's books, Walls and Mirrors, to show the devastating impact of the operation on Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. He writes, quote, not even the most politically conservative Mexican-American organizations could ignore the fact that immigration dragnets not only were affecting putative illegal aliens, but also were devastating Mexican-American families, disrupting businesses in Mexican neighborhoods and fanning inter-ethnic animosities throughout the border region. And Peralta also cites May Gay's book, Impossible Subjects, where she writes about the death that occurred as a result of the deportations. She explains that many were returned via ship where they not only dealt with the terrible conditions of the ship, mm. and some accounts said that it was like, they compared it to like being on a slave ship. Jesus. And also 112 degree heat, which oh. close to 100 laborers died of. And she goes on to write, quote, at the other end of the border in Nuevo Laredo, a Mexican labor leader reported that wetbacks were brought into Mexico like cows Ugh. on trucks and unloaded 15 miles down the highway from the border in the desert, like animals just piled into a truck. In the Sick. end, Blakemore notes that roughly 1.3 million people may have been deported. And I looked at several different accounts and um, the numbers did vary. Um, but the government enacted this operation essentially like a military offensive, and it's noted for its aggressive tac tactics. So, of course, no charges, you know, no sentencing, none of that. I wonder also is, I mean, I, I'm curious to know, and I'm sure, I don't know if you have it or not, but like, really, did it make any impact? Did it do anything that they were hoping it would do? Like, no. did they see white people get all their jobs back picking, you know, no. uh, produce? Like, did it make an impact? Did did white people, no. the white men who are coming back from war feel less uh, insignificant so they could get their job? Like, no. really, what was the impact no. besides you know, devastating these families and ruining their lives and dumping them and like humiliating them. Like what was the, did it make an impact no. that you were looking for Mr. Truman? No. Or Eisenhower. Too. Or Eisenhower. Yeah. So the operation lasted only a year and they made a small dent in the immigration problem because employers <laughs> desires. I got the question. He just got the answer, right? <laughs> the employer's <laughs> desires for cheap labor kept folks coming in. Right. So, right. You want capitalism. It's not them. It's this the is, fucking Americans right, that are business owners. This is capitalism, right? This is capitalism. Cheap labor, cutting corners to make that money. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't say I want cheap labor yeah. and and use illegal immigrants and then complain the other way that we're not hiring enough Americans because yeah. you don't want to pay Americans a fair wage. Here's the American it's way. It's so gross. American way isn't like opening a business and being successful. The no. American way is you're successful Exploiting because people. you're cutting the corners. Yeah. That's how it happens because the government doesn't allow you to do anything else. No. And the way that, you know, Republicans... In Florida, and I think this is everywhere else, the way they require you to do background checks on employees, it's impossible to hire people who are not here legally. Right. Like, I, I, you know what I'm yes. saying? Like, it's unless they make it's it, under the table. Yeah, they make it yeah. almost impossible. So, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. But so, but oh. it, to blame an entire race of people, there's all I these know. people from Mexico are trying here. Who are legal, who are also legal citizens, P.S. That's the fucking part that Isn't blows that my wild? fucking mind. So today, most people see this for the racist act that it was. In fact, Alfonso Aguilari of American Principles Project's Latino Partnership told NPR in 2016 
that, quote, the Eisenhower mass deportation policy was tragic. Human rights were violated. People were removed to distant locations without food and water. There were many deaths, unnecessary oh. deaths. Oh. Sometimes even U.S. citizens of Hispanic origin, oh. of Mexican origin were removed. Oh my God. It was a travesty. It was terrible. Immigrants were humiliated. So to say it's a success story is ridiculous. I would sue, this government wouldn't exist oh. anymore. So um, at the time, journalists in states like Texas were praising the operation. <laughs> According to a Slate article, a journalist from the LA Times at the time stated, quote, squads swooping down in surprise visits to farms, industrial plants, business, and factories. So the aftermath. So the operation um, lasted a year. And they noted that it was this success and that the border was secure, right? Um, it's it's like looking into the present. Like it's we so gotta secure those yeah. borders. We are so predictable. It's, it's fucking it's wild. But knowing that so, we're that predictable, we should be able to also play that game too. Like we've got to figure out a way to play the game knowing what they're going right. to do next. Right. So one thing that I found really funny is there was an article from the Cato Institute and it noted that illegal immigration didn't stop because of the operation. <laughs> No? Oh, guess, surprising. Guess what? It was the implement, implementation of visas, like those given to the Bracero program, which lasted well beyond the operation into the 1960s, <laughs> that actually curbed illegal immigration. Yeah. Because it, there's a process in place, right? Right. Fix so, the system. Yeah. Fix the fucking system yes. so people can work within it. People are coming in illegally because you've made it too hard to fucking come in yeah. legally. Yes. Come on, dude. It's A plus B equals fucking C, uh, bitch. It's so, so- <laughs> we're learning math here today in the mock podcast <laughs> with letters <laughs> <laughs> so trump during his presidential oh no <laughs> during his presidential <laughs> campaign back in 2016 said he wanted to do something so he didn't name the operation but he definitely alluded to it and during one of his um yeah, these like guys debate, are, one of his so, speeches ugh. and people were like oh okay this is what like he you they're know they're so smart they're, yeah. they trump desantis yeah. desantis doing the same thing like flying people they yeah. know the fucking history they're like let's pull out from an old playbook they yeah. know what they're doing they every time and this wasn't the first time that there was a, a mass deportation of Mexicans. Uh, Peralta of NPR reported that millions of Mexicans were deported during the Great Depression because, again, Americans felt like their jobs were being taken away. Mm. Um, a Timeline article noted that they even used public parks as detention centers. Yeah. And the Southern Poverty Law Center notes that the deportations were illegal and violated human rights. So that is the story of the U.S.'s largest mass deportation. And then... What this also reminds me of is a story that we have never done that one of us needs to do is the Japanese internment camps. Oh God, I, I have and that on those my were list also too, U.S. citizens, but they had Japanese. Uh, they were Japanese Americans. Japanese Americans yeah. that they took out of their homes. Can you imagine? Like, 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 and took and stole and, everything yeah. from them. Living in California, take that, take them and their entire families to an internment camp in Kansas yeah. in Lahaine High Gates. Oh my God, same thing, same fucking U.S. fucking citizens. We did that too. That wasn't that long ago either. But it's that fear. It's that, it is that the fear is the one human trait that they use in everything to manipulate us, right? right? From movies, watching a movie where you get scared to politics and using that fear to manipulate us to believe that the others are bad guys and they use it so well. They use it so well. Democrats use it too. They use it to raise money, for abortion, you know, all these things. We're going to do this for you because if you don't vote for us, if you don't give us money, right. this is what's going to happen. 
and then they don't do any, you know what I, I mean? Then, then there's no, yeah. like, I think people are finally starting to catch on to the fact that this is all bullshit, yeah. but still like, <sighs> you know what I mean? And Fear it's hard. It's a great motivator. It is in everything and everything. Great, and it's a, and it's a shame motivator. and it's a shame because people who don't have a lot, they're already scared. I'm fucking scared 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? And yeah. so people who don't have a lot think that someone's coming to take the little bit that they have and the Republicans especially manipulate people that way. And it's really, really, it's a shame. It's, and it's, uh, it's disgusting. And if they do it so they can have power and then give power or money to people around them. And, uh, and here we are, like, here we are. I don't know. All right. So I wanted to end. Oh, uh oh. I wanted to end. Uh, I want to read a oh. quote from a band book. I, I want to, oh. like, if we can do this, you know, we could switch off. I'm going to um, put some music in here. We're going to call this Tina's <laughs> band book moment. I just want to read a random quote from books that have been banned and then encourage you to read banned books or encourage, um, you know, your, your children, friends, whoever. So this is from one of, I, I really love this book. It's called The Bluest Eye. So it's just a, a, any, it's just a quote mm -hmm. from the book. All right. Love is never any better than the lover. Wicked people love wickedly. Violent people love violently. Weak people love weakly. Stupid people love stupidly. But the love of a free man is never safe. There is no gift for the beloved. The lover alone possesses his gift of love. The loved one is shorn, neutralized, frozen in the glare of the love of the lover's inward eye. Tina. Isn't that a lovely little girl? Oh, yes. So uh, the thing that is, I guess, so upsetting is that if there is a particular moment or something that someone doesn't like in a book that they, they throw the whole book away, I, I don't, it's, I mean, it's a, it, I love this book. If you haven't read it, read it. But yeah, so. Mm, girl got me crying again. No, I'm sorry. Again. But we'll, we'll, you know, uh, I, I just, that will bring awareness to books well, that people should be reading. Thank you. I think that we should do this every week. Yeah, every week. We're going to call it Tina's Band Book Moment. Yeah, but you, you can be close too. No, no, no. I don't know. I'll leave this <laughs> up. Don't, don't leave this up to me. I have a hard enough time making sure stories are yeah. done. No, I'll, no I'll, I'll, I'll provide the quote. How about that? I'll provide oh, the quote. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we'll call it the Mux Band the Book Mux Moment. The Band Book Moment. <laughs> By <Yes>. Tina. <laughs> But no, we need, we, we need to bring awareness. Oh, I fucking love this. Yeah. I love it. All right. That's You're fun. a genius. <laughs> and thank you for being such a good friend to me. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. And we love you. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm about to love is those damn chocolates. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you, Annette. I'm so I excited. I have to take my kids to the dentist and as they're getting their teeth cleaned, <laughs> I'm going to be eating fucking truffle, dark chocolate truffles. Oh my God. And this is delicious. Yeah, I'll be at uh, soccer games all day. So that'll oh, be a nice have little fun. treat to have yes! on the sidelines. <laughs> oh, Annette, what a doll baby. Thank you so Thank much you. for being such a sweet, sweet lady. Yes. Love it. I don't even know what Annette looks like. What do you look like? What's going on here? She is incredible. That's yeah. all I want to say. Yeah. I know this. She's smart as fuck. Yes. Yes. She's the best. Mm. I mean, who, she's a fan of ours. What, yeah. what could be wrong? <laughs> nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing. Oh my God. Oh, keep oh. it. Keep raging. Is that what yes. her card said? Let's see. We need to keep raging. Keep fighting the good fight. Aww. Thank Girl, you. Girl, it's fucking hard. It's hard, but I, I appreciate it, it. You have no idea. Oh. Right. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'll see you next week. <gasps> Bye. Amy. <laughs>
you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.